This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. All right. So number three is all about the most efficient way to buy a house. And I actually wasn't going to put this in the book, but it was after sitting down with someone who actually decided not to be a client of mine. This was like, you know, in the process, probably uh, over a year ago. And the big thing was they wanted to pay off their house first. And I was like, man, that makes no sense in the world. But then I realized it's not their fault. It's actually my fault because I'm not communicating this well. And so I'm like, okay, this is definitely going into the chapter. And it really goes into the efficiency aspect because everything that we do with our money, we have to be efficient. So whether we save our money, invest our money, or whether we use our money, it's efficiency. So, So chapter three is all about, it's not about whether you should buy a house or not. Remember, it's not I'm not arguing buy a house or rent. I'm saying if you're going to buy a house, here's some things to think about as it relates to efficiency. Now, the three things that I'm going to do, I'm going to look at is wealth transfer, opportunity costs, and control. So we want to look at how to minimize losses in this decision. We want to look at how to maximize future growth in this decision. And we want to um, look at the security because a lot of people say, yes, Caleb, but like our home, we have this emotional attachment. So obviously we want to be in control and secure. And I think I'll lay out a pretty, um, an argument that will be pretty solid against what you may think to be true. Okay. So for this example, we're going to say the price of the house is 250,000. This could be 2.5 million. This could be less. This could be a $25,000 house, I guess. Um, but we're just going to say it's 250,000. You have 250,000 cash available. Again, you might not have the amount of money to pay cash for the car or for, for the house. Remember, this is just an example. And the best way to prove this is like, if you could pay cash for that or, or if you're not, like, that's how we're going to break this down. Number three is you can get a 30-year loan at 4%. Okay, so you have $250,000 cash available. You can get a 30-year loan uh, at 4%. Um, and you can access, number four is you can access an investment that will give you a 4% return on your money. Okay, those are the four players. $250,000 house, you have $250,000 of cash that can earn 4%. You can also get a 30-year loan that earns, uh, that you have to pay 4%. So you have two options. Option number one is pay cash. So let's say you pay $250,000 of cash for that house, then you take the monthly payment that you were going to be paying the bank, $1,189 to be exact, and you invest it in earning 4% steadily over 30 years. This way you end up with $828,374 in cash and a paid off house. So let me say that in English. (laughs) You pay cash for their house, and then you take the payment that you were going to pay the bank, you put it in that investment that earned 4%, and you end up with $828,374. Okay? So that's, that's, that's scenario number one. Hey, option number two is you finance your house. You you pay 4% and save the $250,000 in the account that earns 4%. After 30 years, you would have also earned the exact same $828,334, same as the, as option one, and, and you'd have a paid off house. So mathematically, the results are the same, but practically never this never happens because it requires the buyer to stay in the house for 30 years. It also requires the cash buyer to pay themselves faithfully for 30 years, which is very, very unlikely. So now let's, okay, so what I'm pretty much saying for those math people out there is mathematically, it's a, if you're earning and paying the same, and, and you, and you're diligent and paying yourself and it's, it's like a wash with opportunity costs associated. It's exactly the same, but you gotta, like, no one ever does this. So 
So option one and option two are exactly mathematically the same, but now we're going to go into like, okay, efficiency wise, let's, let's put our efficiency hat on and actually see what happens. So the first thing that I want to look at is payments. Okay. So number one, the idea of the most efficient way to pay, uh, pay for a house is payment. So most people end up doing whatever it takes to make their mortgage payment. The nature of financing is that you are obligated to pay that money back. The same is, is not true for savings. If you pay cash for your house, there are no payments required for you. In this example, you would need to save $1,189 every month for 30 years to pay yourself back. That's to, that's a total of over $429,000. $28,000. Okay. That's a lot of money. If you paid cash for the house, um, how likely would you be able to pay the entire amount of uh, entire amount back to yourself over 30 years? In, in which situation would you be most likely to exercise the discipline to necessarily make, make that payment? For instance, would you be, it would be, would it be easier to pay the, what the bank or pay yourself? It's just a question. Uh, the concept of efficiency is used in this book doesn't tell you the answer to this one. It's something that you have to answer for yourself. So this one, I'm pretty much saying a wash. I'm saying that most people uh, would pay the bank before they would be more dis- diligent. But hey, that you might be super diligent. Maybe that's why you're listening to this. You're diligent. You're listening to me ramble. So, all right. So number two, tax benefits. There's some this is big, you guys, okay? Uh, there can be some very beneficial tax advantages to a mortgage. For some, this could be the only benefits that they receive uh, tax-wise. Efficiency demands that you qualify and weigh the potential tax benefits of financing. Tax laws can change, and it has changed recently, so it's not an exact science, but you can make a reasonable assumption concerning the money you could save in taxes over the next 30 years. So by earning a mortgage, you can pay, you can potentially get a tax benefit for the interest. Now, I know some states that might be capped, but there's a benefit to that. So, you know, so as it relates to tax advantage, advantages, efficiency comes solidly on the side of financing. All right, house value. The value of your house may increase or decrease over time. By the way, this is a really big, so pay attention. The value of your house may increase or decrease over time. One uh, reason people choose to purchase versus rent is in the chance that they're, they can build equity in their property. But as many experienced in 2008, houses sharply, uh, house, houses sharply uh, fell in value, uh, and that was unexpectedly. So what's the rate of return does the equity in your house earn? Regardless of how it's paid for, your house will increase or decrease in value the same. Okay, so regardless if you pay cash for it or you finance it, it's going to increase or decrease. It's not. It's not going to affect the value of the house. The benefit of paying cash is not having to pay interest to a financial institution. However, a cash buyer is going to lock up a large portion of their capital and slash net worth in their house. Meanwhile, the person that finances has that same house. But instead of locking up their money, they can let it grow and use it in other activities. How you pay for your house is unrelated to its value. With regards to a house value, efficiency is solidly on the side of financing. So again, because of my reading struggles, I don't know if that was came out as clearly as possible, but think about this. So whether you have, a, your house is going to grow or decrease in value. It doesn't, doesn't matter how you pay for it. The person A that puts all their money in their house, whether it goes up or goes down, that's, that's it. Person B who puts their money somewhere else that they can control it and it, their house goes up or down. Like now they have their money, not only growing for them, but they actually have the ability to do something else with their money. And, and by the way, like, I just think that's a huge advantage um, I would rather have control of my money and have the ability to do things with it versus for it to be stuck in the house. All right, third thing is inflation. Actually, the fourth thing. So we went through payments, tax benefits, 
the house value, and the fourth thing is inflation. Now, inflation is the force that makes our dollars less valuable over time. Your dollar today is valuable, is as valuable as it will ever be because of inflation. If you acquire a 30-year mortgage as shown previously, your payment would be $1,189, okay? Now, using a 2% inflation rate in 15 years, that $1,189 payment would have the buying power of $883. And in 30 years, that $1,189 mortgage payment would have the buying power of $656. A long-term fixed mortgage can be a fantastic hedge against inflation. So that that alone just tells you the power of having um, a mortgage payment like your dollars. You're literally have, you're living in a house and you're paying for it. And those dollars are getting less and less valuable, but your payment doesn't go up. That's amazing. Now, number five, earning interest versus paying interest. In the example, uh, in our example, the interest you would pay the bank on on two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan over thirty years at four percent is one hundred seventy eight thousand forty dollars. Okay, that's a it's a lot of money. Okay, so you're almost paying for that house twice. The interest you would have paid if you invested your two hundred fifty thousand dollars in for thirty years at four percent is five hundred. And $78,374. That's a lot more than what you've paid. It is good to use your money to... It, so here's my question. Is it good to use 178000 in order to earn more than 578000 Efficiency says yes. Now, based on the spread between what you pay in interest and what you make in interest, financing the home is more efficient. Therefore, can be more profitable decision. Now, I, my friends that like understand the math uh, again i opened up this chapter by saying op- with tying an opportunity cost it's exactly the same but this is saying your two hundred fifty thousand dollars is going to grow for the next 30 years it would grow it, you would earn five hundred seventy eight thousand dollars of interest and if you had to pay that two hundred fifty thousand dollars over 30 years because your four percent is earning on a smaller balance the interest that you would pay to the institution or banking institution would be a hundred and seventy eight thousand that's a big big spread and that again was that was a big aha moment for me. Is like wow, that's I thought it was a wash because I never really thought about that. Okay, next benefit is opportunity cost. If you pay cash for a house in this example, you tie up those funds for thirty years. However, if you finance the house, you uh, have two hundred fifty thousand dollars available for the opportunities you can find to create. So, for instance, if you feel like yourself as a entrepreneur, if you think of opportunities, or, or if you can answer the question, in the next thirty years, I will have some kind of opportunity that I can invest and earn greater than four percent opportunity cost has to be factored in. Do you think in the next 30 years, um, with a little bit of help and direction, you will be able to make 4%? And if you're working with me, I hope the answer is yes, because I hope I just being in my presence, I help you think and, and get you to think about opportunities that you can earn more than 4%. And so I would say control and having access to that money is far more important than having your money tied up in your house where you can't access and control it. So as far as opportunity cost goes, I think financing is way more efficient. Okay. Now the big, big one. Now, big one is security. I, man, there's so many people that come to me and like, Caleb, like I get the math, the math 100% agree, but security. I would just feel so much better to sleep at sleep at night knowing that I don't have a mortgage on my house. And at the end of the day, I respect that. But I want to, I just want you to hear me out here. When we think about security, there's really two things that will happen, you know, that really can affect you losing our house. Number one is losing our job. Or number two is getting some kind of disability or, you know, maybe a premature death or something that happens to us. Okay. 
that's those are the two big risk losing in, losing our income or getting something unexpected that just crushes us let me ask you a question if you had a paid off house but no money or would you rather have 250,000 plus and the ability to maybe pour, pay the mortgage and also have money to maybe live like buy groceries so if, so we we assume that a paid off mortgage there's that sense of security but i think having money control over money is way more secure because yeah, you can pay the mortgage. What if you what if you had enough money? What if you had three hundred thousand dollars in an account and you could pay the mortgage for the next thirty years if you wanted? Okay, so that's that's great. But then what? Like when this when you lose your job or when something happens to you, the mortgage is one thing that you need to worry about. But there's other things that go into it, and like you can't go back to the bank and say, "Hey, bank, like I paid off my house and I did an awesome job. Can I have that money back?" And they're gonna say, "Dude, like." you have no job or you're disabled. And unfortunately, banks are a profitable institution. So they're like, no. So it's all about being more in control and security. And I don't know if I did a good job explaining this, but like you have way more control if you have access to that money. I'm not saying put your money into Wall Street's casino. I'm saying you have way more control over your money if you have access to that money. So just, again, something to think about because um, that's key. So really in, in summary... How you pay for your house matters, and there's there's a more efficient way to pay for your house. And I'm and I'm gonna make the argument that paying cash is not necessarily the most efficient way to pay for your house. You're gonna pay less in interest. Yes, you are. You're gonna pay zero in interest if you pay cash, but you're not only gonna miss the over half a million dollars of interest that your two hundred fifty thousand dollars could earn, and all the other benefits. You're less secure because all your money's tied up in the house. Inflation is uh, not gonna be working. Like your like your your literally your dollars are gonna get less valuable. And um, it, like, I think inflation is key. I don't think you're gonna have the discipline to pay yourself. There's no, you get no tax advantages. Your house value doesn't change regardless. And so, in all in all honesty, rethink the way that you're paying for your house. And uh, hopefully, this was a helpful exercise for us to go through. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.